Hello and welcome aboard another episode of the Galant Says Podcast, available live on Twitch. You want to interact with the show, Galant at Night style, like it was back in the day? Guess how you do it. You go to twitch.tv slash Galant Says. You know what else you could do? You could follow this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, etc. Jason83 says, I can hear a pin drop. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but guess what? We're off to a rollicking start. What are we going to talk about on today's show? Well, I figure I should talk about someone who passed away today, and it's sad news. It's a guy that I actually interviewed when I was at Sports Radio 610 in Houston a couple of years ago, and he was really gracious. And it's so funny to think of this small little guy being such a loud and at times vulgar human being. Gilbert Gottfried, 67 years old. He passed away today. Real bummer. Um, for a lot of you, Gilbert Gottfried is just a stand-up comic who I believe described himself as a loud, obnoxious Jew. A guy that had a voice that legitimately is indistinguishable from anybody else. I wonder if that was his real voice. I think that on the Howard Stern show, there once was a time where they played what his real voice sounds like. But I imagine you talk like that for a long enough period of time that that actually becomes your voice. Incredible at roasts. And his most infamous joke is the aristocrats joke, which he told, I believe in 2001, at the roast of Hugh Hefner. And for a little backstory on this, This was a couple of weeks after he told a 9-11 joke that people booed him for a couple of weeks before. So he just goes on the offensive and for about 10 minutes straight at the roast of Hugh Hefner, a thing that's supposed to be televised, he does his infamous The Aristocrats joke. And look, if (laughs) if you listen to this podcast and you have kids... You might not want to listen to this one. Also, if you've been listening with kids as it is, you probably uh, not the best parenting unless you want to teach them every single swear that you possibly can. But I'm going to play a little bit of it for you because I went down a deep, deep rabbit hole of Gilbert Gottfried today after seeing that he passed away. So here we go. Here is a little snippet from (laughs) Gilbert Gottfried's infamous The Aristocrats joke. Fucking and sucking for like five hours in shit and piss and cum and pimple pus and blackheads and ooh sweat. And then uh, afterwards, they stand up and they take a bow. And the talent agent. The talent agent, nonplussed by this. I like to throw in a big word. Nonplussed by this. Goes, hmm. That's an interesting act you have there. What do you call yourself? And they say, the aristocrats. 
So he goes for basically 10 minutes just talking about a group of people that are fucking and sucking and shitting and doing all sorts of weird stuff for a very long period of time. He just keeps going and going and going. And you see Hugh Hefner sitting up there at the roast and the look on his face, he is beyond disgusted by Gilbert Gottfried. But that's that's what he did. So that's what a lot of y'all know him for. I knew him for being in the movie Aladdin, playing Jafar's pet parrot, Iago, and sounding exactly like what you just heard him say, except for less vulgar. But I guess this is a guy who gave so little shits that at one point, and I'm not sure where this is from, and I don't even know, hell, this might be an impersonation, but I don't think it is. There was a point where Gilbert Gottfried, I guess, as his character in the Disney movie Aladdin, Iago, decided to uh, be, I think, a more authentic Gottfried version of Iago. So let's uh, get this one ready to go, and away we go. Hello, everyone. Hey, parrot. That sounds real. <laughs> that would be Iago from Aladdin. Bring me the dark wizard from the front porch and make it snappy. I need to learn some new spells. Fuck you, stupid dark wizard! Stop telling me what to do! Suck my parrot nuts! Give me lip one more time, you stupid parrot, and I'll wring your neck. Okay, master, I'll get you the dark wizard daily so you can enchant yourself some bitches! Three, of course. <laughs> so I don't really know what the hell is going on there. I don't know who did it. All I do know is that Gilbert Gottfried's going to be missed. 67 years old. Stand-up comics are great. I hope that we will continue to have stand-up comedy in a way that a lot of us are familiar with in the future. It does seem like sometimes the stand-up comedy world is going in a completely different direction. This guy gave no shits. He is the epitome of what a world without censorship should be like. And, yeah, he's going to be missed. I'm glad I got to meet him. And it's funny. You hear someone who sounds like that, who goes out of his way to push the envelope. He was really nice when he sat down with Mike Meltzer, Seth Payne, and I. And this was at some point back in uh, the summer, I think. Or maybe it was the fall of 2018. So there we go. All right, let's 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 move into some sports topics, huh? Because this is a sports podcast, isn't it? I wanted to dive into something that I strongly believe and then has to do with the Houston Texans a team that I now cover again on a daily basis like I was when I was back at sports radio 610 I am convinced that the Texans are going to draft Stone Jam 206 you still listen to him on Stern how often was he on Howard Stern Gilbert Godfrey before I dive into the Texans because I know some of you guys are like ah fuck the Texans who gives a shit how often was he on Jason 83 says same I'm guessing he was on on a regular basis you know what this is something that we can look up isn't it Gilbert Gottfried Stern appearances. How many did he make? Oh, wow. There's a list that says Gilbert Gottfried's five best Howard Stern appearances. Wow. And it has been a while, but he was a pretty regular guest at one point. 
You would think so. I mean, that's a very that's a very distinct voice. And I think if I ever heard him just tuning into Howard Stern out of nowhere, yeah, I would have loved that. Absolutely. All right. Now to talk about the Texans. I'm convinced they're going to draft a cornerback. They got pick three. They got pick 13. And everything that we have heard from Texans head coach Lovey Smith points to the Texans drafting a corner. Why do I say that? Well, look no further than what Lovey Smith had to say just yesterday at his off-season workout program, whatever the fuck, introductory press conference. Here is Lovey Smith. Our play at the cornerback position last year was not good enough. It's as simple as that. Um, If we brought somebody back, we have faith in them. We think that they can fit into the mix some kind of way. But uh, as a position, we'll continue to look to improve. We can't play the type of football that we want to play until we get better at the cornerback position. I will say that. You got to pick at number three. You got to pick at number 13. You say that you can't get any better. You can't play the way that you want to play defensively without an upgrade at the cornerback position. Well, you didn't upgrade it in free agency. So how are you going to do it? Well, you're probably going to do it with one of those first two picks. Maybe it's at 13. Maybe it's at three. And if you've been looking at the tea leaves for what the Texans have done, they went to Cincy cornerback Ahmad Sauce Gardner's pro day met with him privately there on March 24th. They brought him to Houston for a visit last week on Tuesday. They also went to LSU corner Derek Stingley Jr.'s pro day last week and he visited the Texans this past weekend. I think one of those two guys is going to be drafted by the Houston Texans. I don't know when, whether it's 3 or 13, but I would honestly lean towards 3. Jalen Ramsey was taken third overall and look, you might swing and miss at corner that early on, but do you want a pass rusher in that spot? Do you want to tackle him that spot do you want a corner in that spot i i hear lovey smith say these things and i feel like yeah that's what he's looking for and go a little further back go back to march 2nd at lovey smith's nfl combine press conference here he is once again being asked about that cornerback group in the ideal world you know receivers are big, getting bigger and bigger but if you can find a six-feet corner that you know that's faster than most people uh that's pretty special. Um, we put a big emphasis on ball skills. Uh, to me, the object of the defense is the, every snap is to score and take the ball away. We put a big emphasis on that, but um, we won't try to bring anyone in, add them to our mix if, if they don't like to tackle. That's we, we ask our corners to tackle. Uh, they have ball skills, and of course, but it still comes down to whether you can play man coverage a lot. That's a hard guy that I'm to find that I'm talking about. And I did. I got to admit, I got to watch Derek Stingley. I got to watch Sauce Gardner to determine whether or not one of those guys fits the criteria that Lovey Smith laid out. But again, I, I think it is 100% going to happen. The Texans are going to take a cornerback in the first round. Got two picks, and one of those guys is probably going to go to them. It's just a matter of who. Who do they like more? Derek Stingley was the best um, cornerback in college football back in the unbelievable LSU 2019 season. He was number one. And, you know, with with that in mind, I feel like there's a pretty good chance that maybe they will look at him at that spot. Are they going to let him slip to 13? What's been going on the last couple of years? But I don't know. It's an LSU player. You know, LSU players typically have a lot of talent. This was a guy that was going up against some damn good wide receivers, uh, Jamar Chase and and others, when he was in college. Sauce Gardner, you know what, deserves a lot of credit for what he was doing at Cincinnati, but 
I, if, if I got to pick between the two, I'm probably going to go with the guy who was at the school with a higher pedigree, not to slouch Sauce Gardner, but maybe Gardner is going to be around at pick number 13. Stone Jam 206 says, you know, the Hawks are getting a corner, probably three. Well, honestly, they could probably use it, but what do you do at number nine? Are you going to stay away from quarterback? We did talk about it last week where it does feel like maybe Desmond Ritter is the kind of guy that they would be more willing to go after, an athletic, more pro-ready guy with that first pick, excuse me, with that second round pick that they have as opposed to, you know, taking a huge risk on, um, how am I forgetting his name? That's not a good look. Uh, Malik, Malik Willis from Liberty or Kenny Pickett does seem like those guys on a couple of mock drafts are going really, really early. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily the right call, but it does seem like that is a possibility. We did see, as far as the Seattle Seahawks are concerned, a move today. Tight end Noah Fant was the first player from the 2019 draft class to have his fifth-year option picked up. And it makes me wonder... Not about the actual decision. Look, you made that big trade with Russell Wilson, and Fant is the best player that you got in it. He's a former first-round pick, and over the course of his career, three years in the league, his rookie season with Denver, 40 catches for 562 yards, three touchdowns. 2020, 673 yards receiving on 62 receptions, three touchdowns. 68 receptions for 670 yards and four touchdowns this past season, despite playing... With some pretty shitty quarterbacks. No offense to the Denver Broncos situation, whether it was Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. Neither of those guys are plus quarterbacks, in my humble opinion. The Seahawks have never really figured out how to use tight end. And just go back to when they brought Jimmy Graham in and thought that they could turn Jimmy Graham into a more versatile tight end. Jimmy Graham is essentially a wide receiver. That's something he was trying to push for a contract of when he was with the New Orleans Saints. But the Seahawks bring him in and they're like, you know what, dude, get on the edge of the line of scrimmage and block a little bit. It's not to say that he wasn't productive with the Seattle Seahawks. He, like, he actually did statistically do a good enough job. He was aimed to, um, if I'm not mistaken, he was a pro bowler in both 2016 and 17 with the Seahawks. And I mean, you look at the numbers, okay, 65 receptions for 923 yards and six touchdowns in 2016, 57 receptions, 520 and 10 touchdowns in 2017. Like not probably what you were expecting, not what he was doing clearly with the New Orleans Saints where he and Drew Brees were an absolute lethal combination. But, I mean, he was productive. He just wasn't everything that you thought he was going to be. So you kind of tried to use him in this way that didn't make sense, and then you get some other guys at the tight end position that you've brought in over the last couple of years. Give Will Disley a lot of credit. I think Will Disley, especially considering the fact that he's been dealing with a couple of injuries over the last few years, I mean, he's actually been a damn good find for John Schneider. And there's a reason that they felt pretty comfortable extending him. But at the same time, if you look at his numbers that he's been giving you, like he's clearly a second tight end for you when when he's fully healthy or close to fully healthy for an entire year. The last two seasons, 24 receptions, 251 yards, two touchdowns, 21 receptions, 231 yards, and one touchdown. Like the usage rate, not that high, not the kind of usage that you would see for, I don't know, like a top five tight end. But again, you weren't expecting that from Will Disley. I'm just saying it's a solid pick for the Seahawks considering this was a guy that they got in the fourth round and he was thought to be a blocking tight end. I actually think he's been capable as a receiver. But the last two tight ends that they've brought in have not worked out. Greg Olson, he's old. 
up there in age. Then they bring in Gerald Everett, who's essentially a newer version of a... Who is that tight end that goes from team to team year in, year out? Jared Cook. He's like a new version of Jared Cook. They bring him in. Was it bad? I don't know. But, I mean, between Greg Olson, who, of course, had some of the same issues that he had had the years before in Carolina with Seattle. Only 24 receptions in eight games started, 11 games played for 239 yards and one touchdown. What's going on there? Is that a Brian Schottenheimer problem? Is that a Pete Carroll problem? Is that a Russell Wilson not looking his way problem? And then, of course, you go to Gerald Everett's statistics and, you know, compared to, I guess, one Greg Olson, he got a little bit more, but it's like 48 catches for 478 yards and four touchdowns. So now with Noah Fant, you're hoping, okay, you're going to get more, but I don't know. I don't know, man. I just don't feel like the Seahawks exactly know how to use tight end. It's been a historical thing. You know, Jimmy Graham, Greg Olson, Gerald Everett. Stone Jam 206 says Disley and Everett have been decent. The Hawks don't utilize the position Enough. Well, it seems like they prioritize it, just give them that they've invested in it over the last couple of off seasons. But what the hell's going on at that position? You know, why aren't they able to actually effectively use it? And okay, whatever quarterback comes in next, I suppose that maybe he'll be looking tight ends ways a little bit more, but eh, I don't know. And especially when you have the Seahawks wide receiver core the way that it is going forward, what's your expectation for how they use things? First off, you got Tyler Lockett, you got DK Metcalf. I don't think that you're going to be trading either of those guys over the next couple of years. And then the other wide receiver that you drafted who, you know, was banged up um, going into last year. Oh, shit. The kid from, how am I forgetting his name? Um... They drafted him last year. Uh, How am I forgetting his name? How am I forgetting his name? This is the filibuster song. Dwayne Eskridge. D. Eskridge. He didn't play much last year. Just banged up. Only 10 receptions, 64 yards in the touchdown. Four rushes for uh, 59 yards. Eskridge is someone that I would assume, given that he was a second-round pick, that you're going to use a little bit more this coming season. So is Noah Fant going to maybe be more of a player this year? Are they going to use two tight end sets? If they use two tight end sets, that means they're probably going to try to run the football a whole lot with either Rashad Penny. Uh, I I wonder. I wonder if, they're, if this is the year where the Seahawks actually figure out, what the fuck is that? What the hell's going on? Oh, fuck off, pro football reference. Jesus, what the hell was that in the background? That site has so many damn pop-ups considering all the good statistics that it has. We're all over the place a little bit here, but uh, look, the Seahawks, they don't have a great track record with tight ends, so I'm not exactly feeling great about their ability to figure out how to properly use Noah Fant. Hopefully I end up being wrong. I don't think I'm going to end up being wrong. What else we got on today's episode of the Gallant Says podcast off topic any thoughts on the stranger things season four trailer that dropped today good question i was gonna watch it on this but it lasted a little bit long i i like that they played separate ways by journey in the background that's really my only thought it seems like they are going in a direction that gets them far away from where they began i I liked the last season. I felt like they kind of wrapped things up in a way, and maybe I need to rewatch it again. But I'm not, like, super excited for this coming season. It feels like 
if you've got, and I got to look up the characters' names, because basically whenever I watch any television show, since I watch too many, I basically remember <laughs> names of characters as Cop Guy. Cop Guy with Hawaiian shirt. Which is not a great, perhaps, uh, look to go. God, these kids are so old now, too. Millie Bobby Brown looks like like late teenagers. Same thing with the kid who plays Mike. I think he's like eight feet tall now. Uh, the guy who plays Jim Hopper. Yeah. Um, Jim Hopper, everybody. Uh, look, I think that the trailer that we saw doesn't really indicate a whole lot. There seems to be a new bad guy. I'm not exactly sure what his deal is. Jim Hopper's still in Russia, and that's like the only reason I really want to watch the show. Um, is one of the guys that was on the TV show, the guy that was uh, the older brother, is he not in it anymore? Because I'm looking at the cast, and I don't see him on the actual cast of uh, Stranger Things. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, long story short. So you're welcome for that terrible uh, move. Uh, what do we got here? Um, and Fuentes respecter. Paul was listening to Disney movie soundtracks. He just got discovered. Eh, no, not really. That was like an alternative Disney movie soundtrack. How about that? Uh, Jason 83 sports radio broadcaster with mediocre dance moves. Oh, that is erroneous, sir. That is erroneous. The dance moves are fucking awesome. I don't know if you saw me looking like a bottle of fancy top shelf tequila on Saturday night at my birthday party, but damn, I was looking good. Problem was the next morning when I woke up on the couch with a picture that was taken of me just lying face first on the couch. Weird thing that was asked about me over the course of that day out and about at the old bars. Everyone kept on asking me, and I don't know why, but they were like, Paul, are you wearing boxers? Because I was wearing linen pants, and I guess you're supposed to be able to see people's boxers through linen pants. I was wearing boxers. I was weirded out, though, by the fascination with whether or not I was wearing boxers. And while we're on just weird shit, I may as well get to this. And no offense to this poor Twitch commenter who seems to be a little bit horny, but bonk, 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 bonk. Bonk, 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 bonk. I was surprised to see this. And you know what? Fine. I'm not. I'm not going to read this comment and reveal the sources of this comment. But someone actually slid in my uh, Twitch uh, DMs, which was weird. Not going to lie. I, I don't have a problem with it, and I'm definitely flattered by it. And but and I don't even know who this person is. But this person commented and says that, oh, please don't read this out loud on your Twitch show. Sorry, that's not fucking happening. If you send something in, it gets read. This is probably inappropriate, but you're hot as hell, one. Two, that nipple rub was sexy as hell, the nipple rub that I did when I was reading the person talking about how Aaron Judge hadn't been resigned on time by the deadline that he had given out. And three, hearing you sleep nude is hot. You should totally get OnlyFans. Uh, okay. Like, that's all I really got to say. I'm complimented, but, uh, weird. Lots of weird comments I've been getting the last couple of days. I guess I should be flattered by it. I mean, it definitely is a bit of a confidence boost, but I'm like, what? Is a guy rubbing his nipples attractive? Uh, no, I think it's clearly done in jest, but whatever. This person is into it. Should I do it some more? Oh, it's off camera. You can't see it right now. All right, we're all over the place. Maybe I've had a little bit too much coffee on today's show. What else are we going to dive into? Oh, now I remember. Kind of sus, says N. Fuentes Respector. Look, people are into things. But, uh, yeah, I'm surprised by that. 
I am surprised by that. Maybe I'll post the actual thing, but I'll just cross out the person's uh, handle or whatever. It was, it, it was weird to me, too. All right. The Cincinnati Reds, they are a baseball team that plays their game in Cincinnati. And if you know the history of the Cincinnati Reds, you'd know that one of their owners is in, in the team's past is a lady by the name of Marge Schott, who is this like old racist asshole. And essentially, she was someone that over the course of her time was known for making racial slurs, which eventually saw her banned from managing the team for just two years. She died in 2004, but look, she sucked. So the new Reds owner and the new Reds president, not much better. People are pretty pissed off about the way that the team has been run. There's a guy by the name of Phil Castellini, and I guess he is the Reds president and CFO. So um, today... The Reds made their home opener against the Cleveland Guardians, which is still weird to say. Castellini is the son of owner and CEO Bob Castellini and was asked to comment on a current fan movement pushing for a change in ownership. And here on 700 WLW in Cincinnati is what he had to say. Let's take a listen. That's, that's the bottom line. Sloney asked you about the quote, show a little faith in this, right? Yeah. And I, I saw you got right through the coals. So you, you have people who say, look, uh, faith is earned 15 years of ownership. They haven't won to the extent that we would like. And so you had my faith, but you've lost it. Why should that fan maintain trust in you? Well, where are you going to go? <laughs> Let's start there. I mean, sell but the team to who? I mean, well, that's the other thing. I mean, you want to have this debate? You know, if, if you want to look at what would you do with this team to have it be more profitable, make more money, compete more in the current economic system that this game exists, mm-hmm. it would be to pick it up and move it somewhere else. Yeah. And so be careful what you ask for. You know, I think we're doing the best we can do with the resources well, that I, we have. I, I, we're no more pleased yeah. with the results than the right. fans. I'm not sitting here saying anybody should be. I'm not polishing any trophies in the office <laughs> yeah. right now, and that's what we're here to do. Um, but, you know, the bottom line is, and, and I do think we've had to shift the discipline. We've tried a lot of things that didn't work uh, and they came this close to working and didn't nobody's got to right. tell me it you didn't try work it. you yeah. know what I mean yeah I get it so I think we've learned Different from those approach. things and trust me Nick is is a is a he is a guy on a so anyway look all you had to hear there is I mean this asshole says where are you gonna go sell the team to who you want to have this debate what would you do with this team to have it more profitable more money compete more in the current economic system that this game exists in it would be to pick it up and move it somewhere else so be careful what you ask for. What an asshole. What an asshole. Seriously. You think this is going to win favor back for you? And this is the kind of stuff that Mickey Mouse franchises do. Baseball owners are total dipshits. They traditionally hide behind the microphones because they don't want to put their foot in their mouth like this. So imagine the spawn of the actual owner going on the radio and saying this. What a fucking idiot. Just a complete moron saying that. Then he goes on TV a little bit later, and he was asked if he wanted to clarify his statements. He said the ownership group hasn't abandoned their commitment to the team and encouraged fans to stay loyal to the club and its players. Well, then why the fuck did you say that? Were you trying to make a joke? 
Like, good luck making a joke when everyone thinks that you're a bunch of cheapskates or possible former racists, because that's what you were before this. A team that hasn't done shit in forever. Used to be the big red machine. The last thing of significance that the Cincinnati Reds did was trade for Ken Griffey Jr. Think about that. Look how that worked. Nothing fucking happened. Because guess what? The Reds suck as an organization. And whatever is owning them right now, that is a team that historically has had a lot of success, and yet here they are. And you whine and bitch and moan about the current economic system. The Rays are doing fucking fine. The Oakland A's figure it out every five years or so. They're back too. What a dick. Like seriously, I and this bothers me that there is no one to hold people like this accountable in sports. No, no one. Some asshole like Daniel Snyder is clearly a fucking embarrassment. That guy can stay on as owner of the Washington Commanders because he just hands things over to his wife. And whether he's sexually harassing people or saying or, or keeping a separate book or doing things that are financially illegal, who gives a shit? Because he's still going to be able to keep it because there's no one to actually force him out. And all these other owners are a bunch of pussies and they just sit around and they're like, well, if I come after him, other people will come after me. Fuck you too. God, it pisses me off these rich people and like, got oh, capitalism, oh, they made their money. You know, the good old fashioned way. But Jesus, it's just bullshit. It is total bullshit that these guys get off scot-free and there's no one to hold them accountable. So I guess you just be depressed and say like, all right, well, we live in a country of oligarchs. Wonderful. These people get to determine whether or not my sports team is successful. So I guess I got a fucking move if I actually want to root for someone good or buy something like MLB TV that's overpriced. Ugh. Anyway, that was a bit of a rant, huh? Uh, what else we got before we hit the road? Oh, well, this is kind of weird. How is this happening like multiple times in a couple of weeks? So to my Seattle brethren that are uh, on the line right here, a man on a Southwest Airlines flight faces federal charges after masturbating four times during the flight. How? Antonio McGarity is accused of masturbating four times in the seat next to a female passenger. The woman took photos. When McGarity fell asleep, she told the flight crew what happened. God, you felt that uncomfortable to wait until then. Oh, I feel bad for this lady. They moved her to another seat on the flight. She turned them over to Phoenix police. When the flight landed, the FBI interviewed him and said he didn't think the female passenger was uncomfortable with him masturbating. and He thought it was kind of kinky. What are you fucking talking about? Keep it in your goddamn pants. How do you think that that's going to go be acceptable? And by the way, going four times over, as uh, Jason83 says, over, I'm guessing, well, how long is a flight? Flight from Seattle to Phoenix time. I'm guessing that's like a three hour, two hours and 36 minutes. So this guy's wanking it essentially every 40 minutes or so, maybe even more rapidly than that. How horny are you? If you really got to go that bad, go to the bathroom for God's sakes. But that's just weird to do. You can't hold it that long. I don't get it, man. How? How could you not hold it? That's crazy to me. Oh, my God. Uh, CG413 says, happy belated birthday, Virginia Budweed evening. Hope everyone's having a great night. Hope you're having a great night too. Sorry we're talking about people wanking it on planes, but guess what? There's actually another story because that story is from last week. That story's from April 5th. This story's from today. How are people just wanking it all over the place on planes? 
A Florida man, see this makes more sense, right? A Florida man was arrested today for allegedly performing a lewd act. Oh, you pussies, actually say what happened. He was wanking it aboard an aircraft in flight from Newark to Boston. Okay, well, you know, going from New Jersey, suppose you feel a little bit better. Donald Edward Robinson, 76, of Bonita Springs, Florida. Oh, my God. Allegedly engaged in wanking it and exposed his dong to a 21-year-old female passenger seated next to him while on board a flight from Newark to Boston. He then placed his hand on, oh, my God, on top of the victim's thigh without her consent. Shortly after departure, the victim recorded a 24-second video of him fondling and manipulating his pe- Wow, this is so weird the way it's describing it. Through his pants, a short time later, it is alleged that the victim looked over and saw that Robinson and exposed his penis. Oh, my God, this is so uncomfortable. Approximately five minutes before landing, Robinson allegedly placed his hand on the victim's thigh, prompting the victim to ask why he was touching her, to which Robinson withdrew his hand and looked out the window. Nice, that's real subtle. It is alleged that the victim then got the attention of another passenger and displayed a message on her phone. Hi, this man assaulted me and then touched my leg and is mad. Uh, touched, uh, touched my leg and is wanking it. Emily says, maybe Florida man was inspired by the other dude. I mean, but he didn't get away with it. I think that this guy, look, he's 76 years old. He's from Florida. He's an old man. Something tells me that this man may or may not have accidentally mixed up his sleeping pills or his Xanax with a little Viagra. Next thing you know, he's popping a raging pants tent. But that's not an excuse here. Keep it in your goddamn pants. Newark to Boston? A Newark to Boston flight? We think a Seattle to Phoenix flight's long. I mean, that's from essentially the northern border of the United States all the way down to the bottom, where we're talking from Newark to Boston. Is that even an hour? That's not a long flight at all. Newark to Boston flight time. One hour and nine minutes nonstop. Dude, he must have seen this person and been really attracted to her. I don't know. I keep on sounding like I'm explaining it. What a fucking weirdo. What is wrong with everybody? Did this take place on Spirit Airlines? You would think that it did. It actually doesn't say. I would assume so, though. What flight was this on? Airlines doesn't say oh, big spirit spirit airlines keeping it keeping it uh keeping it private that's nuts man twice in a week two people wanking it on planes uh, how are we this bad at getting back on planes did the pandemic like really just break our brains or something like that whether it's the people that are getting in fights on planes because they don't want to leave the mask on for the entire flight yes it's a pain in the ass just fucking do it is it worth fighting over and getting like a ten thousand dollar federal fine but then to go even further and just decide yep i'm gonna pull out my schmenzer and start pulling it all over the place jesus anyway i feel very energized right now, and this show has been a little bit off the rails, but I appreciate y'all tuning in to this edition of the Gallant Says Podcast. Let's see some jokes. Uh, Virginia Buttonweed, he didn't get off. I mean, if he was doing it in his pants, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. And Fuentes Respector, wait, how do they know it was four times? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a long flight. Maybe it was more than four times. And I bet the woman was counting. Anyway, yeah, we're talking about yoinking it on planes. Appreciate everybody for tuning in to this edition of the Galat Says Podcast. It's a bit of a weird one, but thank you so much, as you always do. Twitch.tv slash Galant Says. Interact with it live. Traditionally, we start this thing at 3 o'clock Central Time. It's been a little bit of a crazy week because I'm a 
child and I celebrated my birthday yesterday. I don't even know if that's still an effective excuse for taking off the podcast yesterday. We will do this on Wednesday and on Thursday. Friday, I'm going to be looking at some homes, so not going to be able to do it probably right after the show. I think we're going to be seeing like four or five, so it's going to be a long long day. But I really appreciate y'all for tuning in. I think I've already said this a couple of times. If you haven't already, please follow and subscribe to twitch.tv slash Gallant Says. If you're a podcaster, Gallant Says is available Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts if you haven't already. Rate it. Review it. Like it. Whatever the fuck you're supposed to do. I don't even know. I appreciate y'all so much. I keep on saying I appreciate y'all, but I do appreciate y'all because you are to be appreciated. So long. Farewell. Appreciate the birthday wishes, and you will hear me tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Peace!